2: It is Monday, September 13th, 2021. Welcome to a brand new week on Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Um We have a lot to talk about today. And uh, I think we're going to start with the Biden vaccine mandate and the backlash to it, which probably should come as no surprise to anyone out there. The toxicity of our partisan politics or such that um, you would have imagined that when President Biden made the decision to mandate vaccines for businesses that have over 100 employees. He would get a lot of pushback, which is not necessarily to suggest that the mandate is also being unanimously supported by people on the other side of the aisle. And we'll talk about all that more on today's show. Uh, Let's start with introducing the panel. Jim Galloway is with us. It's Monday, his day to appear on the show. Jim, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day out here, isn't it? Yeah, we've got some very, very nice weather uh, in uh, northern north Georgia, and I think the state is in pretty good shape, uh, too, as well. Is that true, Mayor Julie Smith, down in Tifton? Are you having a good day down there?
3: Uh, it, it is beautiful. Listen, it's always a beautiful day in, in south Georgia, <laughs> but it is
2: gorgeous. <laughs> the humidity,
0: thankfully, has
3: dropped a smidge, and, uh, and we're, we're doing good down here.
2: Well, we're very happy that you're back with us. It's been a while, and we always enjoy having you on oh, as a panelist you. on the show. Uh, State Representative Mary Margaret Oliver is back with us as well. Um, Mary Margaret, how are you doing over in Decatur?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, it's definitely convertible weather, and I'm at the top <laughs> down, traipsing around. It's beautiful out.
2: I would have thought that uh, I get that you would say convertible weather, but in your case, I also thought maybe you'd say it's time to get out on the links and play a round of golf.
0: It's golf weather, too. (laughs) I'm looking forward to something this week on my calendar.
2: (laughs) Good for you. Professor Audrey Haynes is with us, uh, professor of political science at the University of Georgia and uh, the um, head of the applied politics program at UGA, which prepares students at Georgia for uh, opportunities to work in the field of politics. Hi, Audrey. How are you in Athens today?
1: Uh, good morning. Uh, I guess we're doing very fine. It's a nice day. Okay. <laughs> and we
2: have class. Um, well, I want to talk to you in a little while about how things are going in terms of the campus uh, over there. Uh, we know that protests are starting today at University of Georgia campuses or University System of Georgia campuses across the country, and we'll get to that. In our conversation. But um, Julie Smith, um, why don't I start at least by getting an update from you about how things are going with COVID in Tifton. I, I saw that Tift County is not doing very well. There have been um, hundreds of new cases uh, since this surge began, right?
1: That
3: is correct. And we just, you know, we continue to encourage people to be smart, go get vaccinated, talk to your physician um, you know, wear your mask when possible. Wash your hands. All of the protocol that we've been doing for so long now. But um, I, you know, we were just kind of chatting before the show, and I was sharing with you that when the uh, public health department and the hospital put out their information on the, the last week's cases, those who are vaccinated are not the ones in the ICU. Those who are vaccinated are not the ones who are suffering so greatly. There may be people who've had breakthrough cases, but they're in the co- in the hospital generally for precautionary. They may be elderly or have other um, other symptoms of uh, other diseases and things. So please, 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 everyone, please go get vaccinated. That is just so important. But yeah, we're we're, you know, the numbers are overall trending down just a little bit, but um, but we, we still have to be vigilant and uh, and do the right thing and be smart.
2: Um, let's talk about all that. Jim Galloway, it was late last Thursday that President Biden issued this six-point program uh, to fight uh, uh, COVID. Um, and, and the one of the point of the program that, of course, got the most attention was his mandate that uh, businesses with over 100 employees must have their employees either vaccinated or submit to weekly tests uh, to prove that they are uh, not Uh, COVID positive. Uh, Before we begin the conversation, let's listen to a couple of sound bites. First of all, on Saturday, uh, or maybe it was Friday, actually, that President Biden was in a setting with a bunch of young people, and he was asked about Republican pushback, the fact that Republicans had immediately begun attacking, including Brian Kemp, his mandate as federal government overreach. And here's what Biden had to say. Have at it. I am so um, disappointed that uh, particularly some of Republican governors have been so cavalier with the health of these kids, so cavalier with the health of their communities. This is — this is — we're playing for real here. This isn't a game. And I don't know of any scientist out there in this field, but doesn't think it makes considerable sense to do the six things I've suggested. Meanwhile, Governor Kemp was on Fox News, uh, where he uh, uh, attacked back at uh, the president. He responded to the president saying, have at it with this.
4: Biden's talking tougher to the nation's governors and unvaccinated Americans than he did to the Taliban. Uh, It's unfortunate. He he said this is not about freedom. To me, this has everything to do with freedom. It's unfortunate that a president that said he was going to unite the country continues to divide with mandates like this. All it's doing is causing people to fight and argue when we should be uniting. In educating people about the vaccine. I like you have been vaccinated. We continue to urge people to talk to their doctor, make a good health care decision for themselves.
2: Okay, let, let me give everybody a chance to weigh in on this back and forth. Jim?
4: Well, you know, it, it's it's uh it, we, we talked about it off air, but it's 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 this kind of fits a pattern. Uh you have a Republican party that is becoming more and more hostile to vaccines. And that's to, to me that's 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 truly worrisome because there's not an argument that Brian Kemp is making against mandating COVID uh, that can't be made against uh, mandating uh, uh, vaccinations against uh, polio or rubella or measles, uh, and and I think this I I think we're seeing a real breach in the wall uh, in 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 the nation's public health wall here. Mary Margaret,
0: I'm in a mood to have at it, too. The case law is very consistent um, for many decades that vaccinations can be required. Of course, uh, I think you and I remember lining up to get our polio sugar cube. And I remember when uh, Tom Murphy uh, approved the mandated max vaccines for children who come to kindergarten. So there's there's a lot of history on the side of vaccinations here. And I'm um, very pleased that President Biden has taken an aggressive mode. And I'm also interested to the extent to which y'all are reporting that the business community is quietly sighing relief. They, the business community is relieved. Uh, somebody else can be the bad guy and they can keep their employees healthy and blame President Biden for the small inconvenience that vaccinations may be causing. Uh, I support the president totally uh, coming from a district with CDC, global health, uh, Emory, a lot of public health interest in my neighborhoods.
2: Julie Smith.
3: Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I don't think that the Republicans are hostile to vaccines. I think the, the frustration comes with the mandate. Um, I think we all know that the vaccines are, um, or making a difference, the vaccination is very important. But again, my message to my community has been, get with your physician. Your physician, your medical care provider knows you better than anybody. And it's the mandate aspect. Um, there may be reasons for, there may be underlying care or uh, health issues. There may be religious reasons. There may be other reasons for someone not to be vaccinated, but it's, I think it's the mandate that's the rub, not the vaccine.
2: And, and how many businesses in Tifton or in Tiff County would be affected by this? How do you have, how many businesses? I, I don't mean an exact number, but do you have any right. number of businesses with more than a hundred employees? And have Absolutely. you heard from any of them?
3: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the city of Tifton is one of those businesses with, with over a hundred employees. We have a, uh, a very diverse industrial base here, um, with many industries who would, would meet that qualification. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's disconcerting. Uh, many of the businesses are afraid that they'll lose employees because of that. And um, at a time when we need the, the people back at work more than ever. So uh, so there's a great deal of concern. And again, it's not the vaccine that's the problem. It's the mandate.
2: Audrey, um, the president is uh, saying that his power to be able to mandate vaccines is based on a a provision in the Occupational Safety and Health Administration Act, which allows for a president to intervene when the safety or or health of workers is at stake. But um, you've got people like Governor Kemp and presumably Attorney General Chris Carr, who hasn't quite— said himself he's ready to sue he to the best of my knowledge he's made statements condemning it i haven't heard him take that next step but governor Kemp has. he said we're ready to go to court on this and i think there are those who wonder if the courts would uphold this emergency provision and i'll ask you and then mary margaret the attorney in the group to weigh in on this too
1: well let me begin by saying that you know vaccine mandates aren't new we know that we know that all states require vaccinations. Everyone said that before children start going to school. Um, and then there are some exceptions, you know, related to health and religion. And the key point is that what Biden has done um, with this rule um, is really required people to uh, get a vaccine if they want, but they don't have to. It's not really a requirement by the federal government that anyone put anything in their body. If they don't want to take the vaccine, all they have to do is provide a negative test weekly. The other option, like the courts have looked at before, is if you want to go to a university that requires a vaccine, you get the vaccine, you go. States have always had that power to do that. What we're seeing is a lot of states here, especially in the South, not executing that power, not utilizing something that the courts have found consistently that the state is able to provide for the health and welfare of their their public. So it is a little complex, There is some debate over the um, question of overreach. So we'll have to wait and see what the actual rule looks like from OSHA. Um, Most of the courts will likely uh, find in favor, but there's still that argument that this is something that belongs outside of the enumerated powers of the federal government. There is no Mm -hmm. question that he can directly ask federal employees. That is utterly constitutional. That little area is whether he can um, do so at the state level, because that's the area where, again, states have done the work. The problem is that while Republicans are complaining that immigrants are coming into the country and they're unvaccinated and Biden is not vaccinating them, that's a part of a, a conspiracy theory about how the Delta variant has spread. At the same time, they're saying we're not going to require a vaccine of people even when cases are increasing and so are deaths.
2: Mary Margaret, it, 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 there is a constitutional question here, yes?
0: Yes, there is, but I think you're going to, uh, Governor Kemp will be asking the United States Supreme Court to overturn 100 years of case law in relation to vaccination law. Is that another thing that the Governor Kemp wants to say, overturn the law? I mean, what is the political reality for Republicans if we don't care about precedent? We certainly had a lot of lip service to caring about precedence uh, in the Supreme Court uh, nomination process. Let me say one more thing. Julie's right. We all should go to our doctor and consult with our doctor at our medical home. The reality is that, what, 30, 40%, 20 to 40% of Georgians, uh, 20% don't have insurance at all, and probably another big chunk of people don't have a medical home. People who are working multiple jobs, people who are trying to get children into daycare and pay for it. uh, Getting a vaccination is not as easy for them as it is for me. And I think the mandate is going to be helpful in encouraging more people to get that shot. It's going to be less painful and less inconvenient than taking the stupid test, which I had to do twice a week at the Capitol. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, Jim let me get let me I know let, let me get you back in but let me point out it is interesting Mary Margaret made a point that's really interesting of course and that is there are businesses out there who presumably and and there's been some reporting on this who are uh saying thank you to the president for forcing them into a decision that they can be protected about making now they may have wanted to do it uh so let's point out that UPS Invesco Emory Healthcare Wellstar Cox all have vaccine requirements now for a number of their workers. For most of their workers, there are some exceptions. Delta is requiring all new employees to be vaccinated, and we know they took a dramatic step about a month ago when they said that unvaccinated people are going to have to pay a $200 monthly surcharge if they remain unvaccinated on their health care because paying for COVID care is so Terribly expensive. So, on one hand, there may be businesses who are ready to jump in and join those uh, those ranks. There are others who are saying, How do we pay for testing? Uh, this is going to be very expensive if people don't want, want to get vaccinated. There are questions to be answered by the feds on how this is going to unfold, Jim. <laughs>
4: Yeah, there are questions like, but but, but heretofore, uh, uh, vaccines have all been free. Uh, it's just a matter of you getting your body into the place, into the chair, so you can have the have the needle jab. Uh, let me build on uh, uh, something you said, Bill. Yes, yes, I think you have a lot of businesses happy that suddenly they don't have to make the choice of whether to require employees to have vaccines. They, uh, they uh, That choice has been made for them, and they can use that as cover uh, if uh, – Uh, in if uh, against any any kind of uh, uh, legal protest. But but let me put on my 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 very cynical uh, uh, political hat here and say that and and say that Joe Biden might have just done Republican governors a huge favor because Brian Kemp is now is now free to 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 uh to express himself as 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 vocifer- vociferously as he wants to about uh, about uh, the expansion of federal power uh, uh, against uh, federal overreach, but if this va- mandate works and and the the virus starts to come under control, he can stand there and he can claim victory, and and thus he gets to he 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 gets to eat, uh, have his cake and eat it too.
2: Julie Smith, you identify, you run in nonpartisan elections uh, as, as mayor down there, but but you identify as a Republican. And and I wonder, when I saw this mandate, I sort of responded the way Jim did. On one hand, I thought this could be a big victory for the president. But I also have to admit, it really worried me. Because it seems to me this is exactly the kind of issue that could drive an even deeper, if there's any possibility of making it deeper, partisan wedge between the parties in this country, and that the response to a mandate like this uh, could grow to be—I don't want to be exaggerated, but more dangerous perhaps than even what we've seen in the past.
3: I don't disagree with you at all, and that's—you know—I think what um, I think what people are scared of is when we go back to these mandates we have in place for school children to attend, you know, public schools with vac- mm-hmm. the various vaccines that we all had as children. Uh, there were years and years of research and um, trials that went into those vaccines. I think that the, the thing that I hear the most is people are worried about the, um, how how rapidly this vaccine was developed and is there, you know, will we have issues down the road? I'm willing to take that risk. And again, I uh, have no issue with vaccines. I want to just reiterate that over and over again, please, people go get vaccinated. Um, But I think it's the it's the overreach. It's the government um, making medical decisions for us. Um, You know, that that just um, I think that's going to um, I think, like you said, I think it's going to further divide the 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 blue and the red. And that's unfortunate because this is the time in our country with everything in the world that's going on. We need to be as united as possible. And so it's, it's just it's it's disconcerting that this is driving that
2: that wedge even further. Uh, Audrey, I'll I'll give you a shot at this, but then I will uh, get Galloway into it because he's the one he called to our attention. A really fascinating piece in The Washington Post, um, which was essentially about how do we get to this point where Republicans were so uh, oh, vociferous in their opposition to vaccine mandates? And, and the story recounts the fact that in 2007, it was Republican Governor Rick Perry who signed an executive order making his state the first in the country to mandate a vaccine for HPV, the sexually transmitted virus that young women or women uh, can get that causes cervical uh, cancer. This is a Republican governor audrey and the backlash was so strong that perry had to quickly back away from that and then when he declared for governor when he was considered one of the strongest candidates for i mean for president uh he had to back away from that completely and and uh and disavow having wanted to do so republicans learned from their own example how dangerous it could be to promote vaccines audrey
1: You know, that is very true, and, you know, I think we have to go back in time a bit and look at, you know, what has become the radicalization of issues that revolve around public health. I mean, and it really began much earlier, and we can think about, um, you know, the rise of the Tea Party, the themes of patriotism and revolution against government spending, government outreach, just Mm anti-government everything, even when government is there, as I study to solve problems that we sometimes can't solve unless we work together collectively as a unit, as a social contract. So a lot of that has, you know, gotten us to where we are now. And coupled with that, we have, you can watch the news you choose. We sit here and we're very informed about all of the data, you know, the hospitals overflowing, but a lot of people are not listening to that news. They're listening to a very um, singular voice that tells them, Uh, very singular information Um, and so we have some problems about that we're we're losing the fabric that connects us all together and one of them is information that we trust
4: jim and 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 i would add to that institutions that we trust uh Mm -hmm. because that's that's at the heart of this this is the this is uh uh we have spent the last say uh, uh, 10, 20 years uh, undermining trust in institutions. And now now we find that that includes, uh, includes the public health department. uh, And, and I mean, you, uh, Bill, you were talking about the, the, the politicization of, of the ex- anti-vaccine movement. You know, we did have a slight movement, I would say, based in California on the left side, uh, but it, it's the it's the, the it's it's the movement on the right that has just simply exploded. Uh, I, I mean, we all remember uh, Michelle uh, Bachman, the the, the the former con- congressman uh, congresswoman, when, when she was running for president. I can't call uh, call yet the year maybe two thousand eight, two thousand twelve. Uh, but uh, she was referring to to, to, to uh, uh, the I think the HPV vaccine that we mentioned earlier uh, as a cause of autism. And and you know there's 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 nothing there's nothing there's no substantiation for that, but yet it is. uh, I mean she she stuck to it and uh, and I I, she would say I would guess she would say she probably uh, was representing uh, her faction of the GOP. Um, Mary Margaret, uh, first of all, Mary Margaret,
2: I should say that I've already gotten notes from people uh, who are listeners saying HPV can be contracted by uh, men as well as women. So I should uh, always extend that. I always hear about young women being the prime targets for vaccines, but but I accept the fact that men can get it as well. And just to add one note, Mary Margaret, and then give you a chance to weigh in, uh, Aaron Blake, who wrote this piece on the history of uh, the anti-vaxxer movement among Republicans for the post. He points out that in 2019, it was Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, who has now become a real opponent of mandates, who actually uh, fought an effort from state Republican leaders in Arizona that would have made it easier for people to get exemptions from vaccine mandates. He says, I think it's important for people to know that we are pro-vaccination in the state of Arizona. Mary Margaret?
0: It's desperately, it's desperately distressing that, that people will not get the vaccine. And the politics of it, to be totally cynical, um, really don't favor. Uh, the Republicans think it favors their politics. They really believe that the base will be further uh, enraged about this. It's a political activity that is very dangerous. But if you look at the Republicans who are the minority who support vaccinations, and you compare that to the Democrats who oppose, there's an interesting kind of contrast there, the minority of each party. And if you're looking at it purely politically, then the Republicans once again are digging a hole for themselves to tell the voters that we are more on the fringe than you are. The average working guy out there, man or woman, who's just trying to get to work and stay healthy and may or may not have uh, a good insurance is likely to be talked into a vaccine when it's given at his her, her church, when it's very convenient in the neighborhood, or when it's like what Mike Thurman is doing, please come get $50 and get your vaccine. Uh, I think that's the majority of the unvaccinated people. And the political base of the Republican Party that are just saying, you can't make me do anything, I'm going to be selfish until I die, that crowd um, is not as great as the other crowd. And that's why we can make progress on this deadly disease.
2: All right. I've got to get to a first break of the show. As I do, though, I want to point out Amber Schmidtke, who um, uh, tracks the virus like just about nobody else uh, here in Georgia, that's for sure. Uh, she does a a blog in which she reports the latest data. She says there's some fairly good news here in Georgia. She says that um, positive cases of COVID have declined by 21 percent in the past week. Hospital admissions have declined by 16 percent. So she says we may be maybe. maybe Uh, seeing the surge uh, diminish a bit. She also points out, though, that it was Labor Day week that these numbers come from, and therefore people didn't get a chance to get tested to the same extent they might have in a regular week. So we'll see how that unfolds. But it is, at least for the time being, some uh, relief to talk about. And by the way, Amber Schmidtke will be with us with Dr. Carlos Del Rio on Wednesday when we will do a show on uh, COVID and its consequences. So stay tuned for that. All right, let's get to a first break. We'll be back with more on Political Rewind. Before I re- uh, reintroduce the panel, just a quick personal note of from me. Um, Many of you uh, wrote to tell me how much you enjoyed our conversation on Friday with Honore Fanon Jeffers, the author of this incredibly well praised novel, The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois, which is a sweeping epic about African American life dating back to the Creek Indians here in. Uh, Georgia and many of you really liked the show and I'm happy you let me know you did I will also say that when we divert from a a discussion of politics I hear from some of you not a lot, but a few of you who say why aren't you talking about politics? And here's what I want to say about that 14 of 15 shows that we do on political rewind now that we're a -a five-day-a-week show are going to deal with the politics of the day here in Georgia locally and nationally Every now and then, we want to take just a brief break to talk about other matters, whether they're public policy, history, current events, social justice, even a novel every now and then, if it has some pertinence, we think, to the larger discussion, in this case, about social justice and the history of African Americans in this country. And and I hope you will come to recognize that that's just a part of the mix, But I guarantee you, with a -a five-day-a-week show that's now on the air 10 hours a day, you're going to get a lot of politics (laughs) on Political Rewind. And I hope you understand and will stick with us through all of that. But in the meantime, The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois is an amazing novel. You can listen to the show if you go to our podcast. All right. We're back with Tifton Mayor Julie Smith, State Representative Mary Margaret Oliver of Decatur, Audrey Haynes, professor of political science at the University of Georgia, and, of course, Jim Galloway, the former political columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Mary Margaret, the morning consult did a poll uh, last week. In in the aftermath of the uh, Supreme Court's refusal to intervene in the Texas abortion law case, refused to stop it, And essentially, what it said basically is that Democratic women are now pushing abortion, uh, contraception, equal pay, women's issues to the top of the heap when it comes to the uh, reasons they're going to cast their ballot in 2021, 22. And we've said repeatedly on this show in talking about the abortion law that Republicans may be end up uh, being uh, uh, sorry for the consequences of this law.
0: Of course, we're political insiders on this call, but just speaking for myself, I was shocked when the United States Supreme Court took its uh, highly criticized, criticized, appropriately criticized state of allowing the Texas law to be implemented without constitutional review of a statute that they know is unconstitutional under current precedent. So it's not about the insiders, though, as you It's about everyday women out there. I think that most of us have been able to uh, believe that this political, again, political wedge issue would not touch us, our daughters, our sisters, or people we love. And now we know that it will. It can, and it will. The uh, reality of the majority of voters uh, excuse me, the majority of the Supreme Court justices, the five to four, that Clarence Thomas is now in charge of deciding who writes decisions for the majority of the Supreme Court justice when the Supreme Court just chief is in the minority. That reality is hitting us of us who follow this very closely, but is also always also penetrating the thoughts and minds of people who uh, are the women in the suburbs, who we might be characterizing as apolitical women who are suddenly awake and responding to a very different change in reality uh, of what our rights might be. I think it's very distressing, and to me as an insider and to all the other women out there, I, a year ago, was saying the United States Supreme Court, my guess would be, would not overturn Roe v. Wade. And now I am not saying that anymore. I think if Justice Clarence Thomas is the majority with seniority of justices who wish to uh, do away with Roe v. Wade, then he will have the opportunity to get four other justices to join with him. And that's very, very frightening to us insiders and to all of those women out there who are suddenly paying attention in a different kind of way.
2: Julie Smith?
3: You know, I've said many times on this show, I'd much rather deal with a pothole than some of the issues that we talk about as this <laughs> panel. But, um, you know, this is one that I, I really, truly struggle with. As Representative Oliver said, you know, when when you're talking about these issues that do impact our Daughters and sisters and aunts and 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 the women in our lives, and it's not just the way you know. It, it, it's it's the it's the other person that's involved, the father of this child. You know how how does that impact lives? And we've all seen these stories about um, people who now have gone on to become wonderful, contributing people who may have not been here. You know, had their mother had an abortion, so. It's a, you know, it's, it's a. This is a very delicate issue. That, um, you know, this is COVID is nothing compared to this issue. There's, there's religion. There's spiritual aspect. There's when does life begin? Um, there are circumstances. There, there's so much that's involved. And um, I just, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I, I can argue uh, both sides of the, of the situation. But um, it's, it's that's a tough one. I, I don't have an opinion on that one.
2: I, I, I really appreciate being able to be so candid about a very complicated issue. But, Audrey, that's one of the reasons, I think, that Julie Smith just made the case for why for a very long time there were a great many people in legislative roles in states across country uh, who may have opposed abortion but didn't want to have anything to do with trying to pass laws that they knew would would it lend themselves to just this kind of a discussion about the complications maybe turn many women voters against them. It's it's we've been it, for a long time abortion was off the table for many Republicans for these very reasons, right?
1: Well, I would um, I would argue that those individuals have utilized a lot of other laws that have made getting an abortion. Um, very difficult. So indirectly, over time, the ability of women to get a legal abortion has um, declined significantly across many states. And that has been the cover. And just ironically, taking away one's rights indirectly is the argument that some who are opposed to the vaccine are making. But let me just add one point, And this is what I wanted to suggest, is that if you look at the public opinion data, And you look at it not only for women, but you look at it for men. For women, only 19% of women think that abortion should be eliminated in all, I mean, um, outlawed in in every case. But for women, 81%, if you add those who say it should always be legal or legal in some circumstances. And guess what? The number is same for men, 19% in that Um, you know, give or take, plus or minus the margin of error. But that is a significant indicator, just like public health issues, that you have a vast majority of people in the country who want to keep the status quo, but they are being pushed into situations where a relatively small minority who has the ability to sort of manipulate legislation and get it passed through a whole lot of other means Dictates policy at this point.
4: Jim? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, let me let me let me acknowledge that uh, we've got three female panelists here who who can express themselves uh, uh, very well, and they don't need my input on on something like this. But uh, I, I would say, first of all, let us note that many abortions are medically necessary. I mean, you you do have situations where a a mother is faced with with uh, risking her own life, or or. Or continue with 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 a pregnancy. You have instances where where the fetus is 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 non-viable under any circumstances, and and uh, if 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 uh, if this Texas law is spreads and is upheld and spreads, then you'll have you have women coming uh, being forced to to carry to term a a a non-survivable. Uh, 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 fetus. Uh but also we need to acknowledge that this Texas law does not include uh exceptions for rape or for instance uh for, for incest. And you've got a look people are uncomfortable with the topic of abortion as 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 Mayor Smith pointed out. But it's you know for 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 many women out there, just the right to an abortion is kind of a safety net. If the worst should happen to them, they've they've got a they they they've they've there is there is there is there is there is a a a, 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 a an option there, and to have that option suddenly disappear, I think that that is a a that that is going to a, profoundly reverberate in places like metro atlanta uh especially where you've got you've got the uh, you've got two specific uh, congressional races the 6th and the 7th Carolyn bordeaux and lucy mcbath uh, and i've said this before uh, note that lucy mcbath when she won in 2018 she was the first georgia candidate in decades to have run on abortion rights uh and 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 she did it again in 2020
0: Let me suggest that all of us read for the second time or the first time Linda Greenhouse's column yesterday in the New York Times about the history of the abortion litigation, which was never based on religion. It was always based on the constitutional principle of privacy. And she goes through the false narrative that it's a religious exemption under the legal theory, which it's not. Privacy is at the key. It's Your medical records are privacy, your de- decision to have a baby, the decision, the medical complications, all of that highlights the issue of privacy for women and for families. And when um, voters, men and women, but probably more significantly women, really think about their medical condition being reviewed by judges and the decision they're making about their own reproductive rights being re- reviewed by judges, that is going to be a very, very harsh reality to them. And I do not think, if you look at it, not from the constitutional view, which I'm talking about, but if you look at it from the political view, the Republicans one more time are focusing on an issue that's desperately dangerous and significantly personal and private to most women.
2: Mary Margaret, um, Audrey Haynes was absolutely correct to sort of correct what I said about for a long time uh, many politicians, Republican politicians, wanting to keep abortion off the table. She's certainly, though, right that um, uh, abortion rights have been uh, scaled back through any number of uh, measures passed by legislatures and courts. But having said that, Mary Margaret, it is also certainly true that back in the day of a Thomas B. Murphy as speaker, and even more uh, recently with a David Ralston, there are lawmakers who have felt that abortion was a third rail, that in the long run uh, there was, a, was kind of a no-win position. So having said that, Mary Margaret, right now, because the Georgia abortion law, Uh, which essentially outlaws abortion, has been stayed by a federal court. We're not hearing a lot about it. But as 2022 heats up, um, what do you think the price may be that legislators who voted for that will pay in a general election, not in primary elections? Mary Margaret?
0: When people realize how ridiculous the Hmm. Texas law is, a vigilante law with no exceptions for rape or incest, that allows citizens to report Uber drivers as participating in uh, and re- re- receive some kind of award. When people realize t- how terrible that law is, and when I predict a Georgia legislator introduces that exact law and prefiles it in November and introduces it in January, I think that the issue of Georgia's law and the Texas law is going to come home to women and families. I think that we are really in a very dangerous position of interfering with people's rights of privacy and people looking at these abortion issues in totally different ways. I don't give the Republicans political advice, but if I were asked, I would say that this is a road that they've always wanted to issue, but now they have the reality. And the reality of taking rights away and interfering with private personal decisions of women and families is something that's very dangerous.
2: Audrey, this is going to get even hotter obviously next month when the US Supreme Court takes up the Mississippi abortion law which was which they which the legislators who put that law in place uh, openly acknowledge was passed to force the Supreme Court to look at the legality to revisit Roe v Wade, Audrey.
1: Yes. And, you know, I'm going to put out the forefront that I am not a uh, legal scholar, uh, nor do I teach a single class on constitutional law or these issues. But, um, you know, everyone is waiting to see what that will be like, some with trepidation and some who are very hopeful that um, after many, many years of advocating for um, the uh, end of Roe v. Wade, they will win. But, you know, it is going to be very political and um, interesting um, to watch. But I would raise this one question, and that is it is clear for people who study this that there's been a real coordinated effort on several fronts to move this litigation through organizations that are coordinating state legislative agendas, really nationalizing what people are talking about to reach a particular goal. And this has been one of the reasons that this that we find that there's a lack of um, cooperation and a lack of bipartisanship. Um, candidates don't have the cover, and and poor mayors, just like Mayor Smith, who deal with potholes and things like that, are finding themselves facing these national issues that they actually have very little impact on uh, and and can't solve, but don't have the tools for that. Um, but they deal with them, and and they're having some of them are even running on those issues. And in the end, it's just creating chaos and and a lack of the ability to solve problems.
4: Jim, quick comment from you before I got to get to the final break. All right. All right. When when we come back, Bill, I would like to hear from Mary Margaret and 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 Audrey about the chances that uh, a Texas bill similar to Texas is going to be introduced in the legislature in January and what impact that might have on Brian Kemp. Ah, uh, great question.
2: Uh, we got to get to a break right now. We'll be back with more in a minute. Mm. <music> Boy, I'm getting lots of comments from from you out there listening to the show on email today. A couple of you have just sent me uh, Jacobson versus Mass- Massachusetts, a 1905 U.S. Supreme Court decision, which said that Massachusetts did have the right to demand uh, people be vaccinated for smallpox. The problem is, thus, was the state had that right. The Supreme Court decided not whether the federal government, the president of the United States, uh, could do that. So there may be some relevance, but it is not on point, really. Mary Margaret, you've already said that you believe this a bill like the Texas bill will be introduced into the Georgia legislature, essentially giving uh, vigilantes the right to go after uh, doctors who perform abortions after six weeks and others?
0: I believe it'll be introduced. I believe it'll be pre-filed. I hope I'm wrong. We might remember that um, Brian Kemp introduced an abortion bill that was not 481. He introduced an abortion bill that was a more moderate stance that if the United States Supreme Court reverses v. Wade, mm-hmm. that then he uh, would bring the case back to Georgia. Um, and then the, the issue got taken away from him, basically, by Setzler and some other uh, folks that had a very, very uh, fixed, far, far conservative view based on religion, again, which is not what the United States Supreme Court has been discussing. So I think Brian Kemp's politics are going to be at play and negatively for him uh, when a Texas vigilante bill is introduced and when those advocates to uphold the Mississippi law and uphold the Georgia law, which effectively is called the heartbeat bill. um, Those politics are going to work against Brian Kemp if you look at it purely from a political view. Most people do look at it from more a personal view, personal view of privacy, personal view of my family, my decision. You judges don't have a right to tell me what to do with a very dangerous gynecological situation.:
2: Julie Smith, this entire conversation reinforces why you say potholes. Are the kind of issue you, as mayor, want to deal with? You don't yep. need, as a public official in a city, a female public official, to be dragged into this very complicated, highly emotional, highly charged debate, right?
3: I, I, I totally agree with you, one hundred percent. There is no <laughs> right or wrong answer, you know. And and the interesting thing about this is, with a, you're you're talking about. Um, Or we're talking about not just the woman involved, but there are there's a child that, you know, that that's part of that. And so um, it's so easy for us to debate what we would do with just our if it's just me and just my body. But there's another there's another being that's involved in that. And, um, you know, I understand the constitutionality. I understand all that as a Christian woman. It's hard to separate your religious views and your spiritual views from this, this debate and this discussion. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. And on a local level, um, it's, it's just something that I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful not to have to be a part of really, I mean, <laughs> honestly, because there, there is no, <laughs> right. there is no right or wrong answer. And, and I don't, I don't know what the, uh, I don't know what the outcome will be, but it'll, it'll definitely be interesting as a female, uh, as a woman to watch it with daughters and, 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 yeah. and everything to have to watch this process.
2: Yeah, I certainly get why you you would say that there's not a right answer and so I try to keep you from having to get too deeply involved in this issue <laughs> Thank Audrey you. I if, if it's a, Audrey if you want to weigh in one last time fine but I do want to spend a minute I promised at the beginning of the show and then I didn't get to it to talk about the fact that there are these protests beginning at USG campuses around <laughs> the country around the state um, and <laughs> I, I don't want to wait drag you into a controversy you'd rather stay out of either, <laughs> nevertheless are are you looking are you expecting there's going to be a protest on the campus in Athens today about uh, insisting that the state demand that USG demand uh, masks for uh, students and faculty and others?
1: Well, I can say without a doubt that there will be um, protests there'll be protests all this week they're being organized by. Several um, very um, respected leaders on campus who are saying that, you know, uh, faculty and staff and their inability to um, keep ourselves, our children, and our students who we care about immensely safe is, is really hampering our ability to conduct our mission. It's hard to teach a class when you're worried about safety.
2: Jim, we're running out of time, but how do we not see this lack of a mask? There are a thousand colleges across the country, according to USA Today, that have mask mandates. How do we not see this as an extension of the Republican majority's desire to to not mandate anything regarding COVID, Jim?
4: Well, this is, this is an issue controlled by the Board of Regents, which is controlled by the governor of Georgia, who happens to be a Republican. So the lines are pretty straight and clear. Uh, uh, just to, I, I know we're running short on time. I just want to – it's the irony that, that, that we've talked all about abortion and COVID this, this last hour. And they're both issues that are using the same slogan, my body, my choice. Interesting.
2: Interesting, Galloway. All right. We are completely out of time. By the way, Sam Burmistos just said that figure of a thousand colleges comes from the uh, uh, Chronicle of Higher Education. USA Today reported on it. We're out of time. Uh, Julie Smith, thank you for coming to us from Tifton today. Audrey Haynes in Athens, always a treat. Mary Margaret Oliver, you you're always a pleasure to have on this show. And you know what? Your dog only barked several times, and you were wonderful in keeping the dog from interrupting. Don't worry about it. People love having you on. And Jim Galloway, you as well. We're back again with another show tomorrow. In the meantime, take care. Stay healthy. Please wear a mask inside. And, yes, encourage all of those you know who haven't been vaccinated to go get a shot. Take care, everybody. See you tomorrow.